Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. This is the Lombardi Line with Michael Lombardi and Patrick Maher on VSIN. We begin our number two of the Lombardi line presented by MGM and Will Hill joins us back from New York. He is the king of New York, as I like to say. Follow him on Twitter as I do at not the Will Hill. And last we spoke, Will, we were talking about the Western Conference in the playoffs here. And we talked a little bit about how it looks like we're on a collision course here for Phoenix and Golden State potentially in the finals. A couple teams that would like to disrupt that potentially could be the T-Wolves and the Grizzlies. Now, I know a lot of people liked this Grizzlies team. I was a little worried about them with their lack of playoff experience, and I wonder if that showed itself in game one against Minnesota. As we get ready for game two, and Memphis right now, about seven and a half point favorites. We saw the points just soar over that total in game one, 241 and a half, although it did slow down a bit in the second half. What do you make of game two? And overall for Memphis, are you concerned? I, I mentioned this. I had Tim Doyle on this weekend, and I said to Tim, I don't know why this is, Will, but their record is their record with and without job, John Morant. It's better marketably without John Morant. They're not a better team without John Morant. I can't square those pegs and make it fit in that circle. What do you make of Memphis going forward? Yeah, it's interesting. Sometimes like a quarterback, when they lose their best receiver, they're a little bit better because they don't feel the pressure to force it to them. They distribute the ball more evenly. It's more of a team game. Maybe that's it with Memphis. It, it's definitely a weird scenario, but uh, I would say that uh, we've seen this a million times. We've seen this movie before where team one uh, steals game one on the road, upsets them, and they just get blitzed in the second game. Mm. The, the team that's down 0-1 at home comes out desperate, hungry, Sometimes in these series, you can't manufacture desperation. You can't fake desperation. Uh, Minnesota probably comes out with some level of satisfaction. Like, look, we got our game. We did our job uh, on some level to say, you know what? We can go back home one, one. We're in good shape where Memphis needs this game like blood. I, I think they'll come out and blitz Minnesota. Uh, I would lay them in the first half. There were some six and a halfs out there this morning. I, I see it's up to seven, you know, seven, seven and a half. It's getting away from you a little bit, but I would certainly still lean towards Memphis here. Uh, I just think it's a great spot for them to even the uh, even the series. And will, you know, this very well, like you, you, your name can get out there in the regular season, but stars are made in the postseason, right? And you're looking at Anthony Edwards specifically for Minnesota. And all of a sudden you combine him with cat. And I look at Memphis and of course they got jaw and I go, 
Minnesota might have more star power, like overall. If Anthony Edwards can keep at this rate, would that be the one reason that maybe you have concern if you're a Memphis backer going forward in the series? Because now you can get good value on Memphis to win the series down 1-0. I would just, do you pause a little bit and go, "Uh uh-oh, maybe the other team is actually gasped better? Yeah, I I agree with that. It's a good point. And, uh, you know, look at Minnesota, they got two number one overall picks with Edwards in towns. Like you mentioned, Russell was a second overall pick. That's a lot of talent. That's a lot of pedigree. And I think there's something to be said for Memphis in the role of the favorite all year. They're this kind of underdog. They're a good story. They're kind of the hunter. Now you're in a role where you're expected to win. You know, you're seven point favorites in game one, you're minus three fifty to start the series or whatever it was. It's a little different being the hunted where Minnesota can come out. You know what they got in the playoffs. They got that over, you know, over the hump against the Clippers. They come into this series with no pressure and say, you know what, whatever happens, happens. It's all kind of gravy from here. We're a young team. And there's a little more pressure, I think, on Memphis in the favorite role where Minnesota can come out and just kind of play their game and say, you know what, even if we got swept or lost in five here, it's still a, a successful year. So I, I do think there's something to that. And again, you see the numbers have they've kind of flipped there. So a minus $1.40 right now if you want to bet Memphis here to still win this series and plus 115 on Minnesota with that one game to none lead here uh, early in that series. We mentioned the Suns. How we feel like there are blow, you know, just right now, far and away, the best team in the Western Conference. Now, the Warriors might have something to say about that when it's all said and done. Uh, you see, minus five thousand to win this series against the Pellies, fourteen to one here. In Game Two specifically, when you look at Phoenix, now look, they had to cover, cover ten and a half, and they barely got there, but they did get there in the end. Played good defense as the under came through here. Phoenix now nine and a half is what it opened, two twenty one and a half in Game Two. Any nibble? On the Pellies, or do you think, no, this is just one-way traffic here with Phoenix? I like Phoenix. Uh, I thought about taking the team total. I, I'm going to play the first quarter just because I think their starters match up so well against the Pelicans. And, and Phoenix runs this spread pick and roll, and they're quick. And, you know, they come at you with a lot of athleticism. New Orleans plays Valanchunas. They play Hayes. It's kind of a slow, lumbering lineup. They struggle to defend the pick and roll. So I think the first quarter uh, is probably the better way to go. you got to lay, I think, three, three and a half, something like that. To me, that's a better way to go. This crowd's going to be fired up. I mean, the one thing about Phoenix, the crowd, the team, they don't take anything for granted. They say, you know what? Everyone kind of forgot about us. Uh, I think there's some truth to that. It's still a hungry team, a hungry fan base. They haven't had a lot of success, you know, in recent years until last year. So uh, I think you're going to get a fired up crowd. I, I like the Suns here in the first quarter. You avoid that lull where, you know, you get back toward late in the game mm-hmm. or, uh, you know, some of the other lineups for the Suns. They were playing McGee the other day and. Uh, I think that kind of got the Pelicans back in it where they can kind of attack him. You avoid that if you just play the first quarter. So uh, Suns first quarter, uh, I think will be similar to the other night where the Suns just blitz them early on. And to me, this one's a sweep. If you can still get the Suns, it's sweet plus money. I have a hard time seeing New Orleans getting a game in this series. Yeah, I think it's probably the best way to handicap that going forward. I love that first quarter line and maybe even the first half, uh, which is really not, not ever in doubt in game one. I don't know what to make now going forward of this Dallas and Utah series here. And I was talking about it with Wes in the first hour here, Will, where I go, boy, you know, if you're Jason Kidd, now that you're at 1-1, all right, and you're going to go back to Utah here for game three, if Luka's still kind of iffy, does this buy more time to get him right? And now you have the prospect here, and you're still getting plus money with Dallas to win the series. If you can get him to come back, and right now uh, I wonder, are you starting to buy in that the Mavs, after coming back, and I know hit, they hit every shot to win game two here. Can they keep that going and possibly pull the upset in this series? 
It's possible. I, I do like Utah in game three. I think that Utah will win game three comfortably. And one thing to watch with game three, Dallas is basically playing the same five or six guys. A lot of these guys are playing 40, 41 minutes. Mm -hmm. uh, if this starts to get away from Dallas in game three, maybe you say, you know what? If you're Jason Kidd, will live to fight another day. I'm not going to, you can't, this isn't sustainable if you're Dallas. You can't keep playing these guys all these minutes. So if it gets away from you in game three, which I think it could, uh, maybe look for Utah in terms of a live betting opportunity where Utah. Although them protecting a big lead, you just never feel safe anymore. <laughs> I do think Utah protect, uh, protects home court game three. I still think they're in good position in this series, but uh, they're not going to be around very long. They just can't guard the perimeter. I mean, we all love Mitchell as a scorer, but you know, he got cooked. Some of these guys on the perimeter just got you know gashed defensively last night, and that's a bad job. I mean, you're up by eight points against a bunch of backups, you know, fourth quarter, and, and you let that team come back and beat you. I mean, Kleber and Brunson, that's a terrible job by Utah. I think Utah is probably going to break this thing up once the season ends. Whoa. Well, we know they don't, you know, the, the stifle tower there and Donovan Mitchell don't exactly get along. No. So that's kind of been well-documented. So this could be the last hurrah for Utah. It has not been a great hurrah so far, uh, even up at one, one, of course, talking with Will Hill, follow him on Twitter at not the will Hill. And I always love to talk baseball with you. Will obviously, you know, I'm diehard metropolitan fan. I've been backing the metropolitans in first fives. It's been pretty profitable uh, so far at the beginning of the season. They're going to play a double dip today against San Francisco here in uh, game one. We're going to have Alex Cobb going up against Tyler McGill. Now, McGill has been shoving so far early in the season. We know what Alex Cobb can do, too, right? You see that low total of seven. I wonder if this is a first five scenario where you just say the pitchers are going to dominate. I'm going to play that under. And then before I ever get in those bullpens, assuming that both these guys can give you five. You know, it's funny how our minds get retrained because I saw the doubleheader. I saw the low total of seven. I think it's six and a half in some places. I said, oh, yeah, it's a doubleheader. It's one of those seven innings. But we're done with the seven inning doubleheader. Thank God. Thank God. Yeah, it's just a nine inning game. Boy, so seven, six and a half for a nine inning game. It's a very low total. I mean, my God, this is not a Koufax and Bob Gibson out there. I know McGill's been good, but this is a, a low total. I think if you can get six and a half, I'd be tempted to play the over. But that being said, McGill's been outstanding. The Mets pitching's been outstanding. Mm -hmm. Their team, ERA, their starters ERA, I think 1.07, the best in the history of baseball through 10 games. And that's without DeGrom. Uh, like you said, McGill's <laughs> just been awesome. He's He's got a chance to be an all-star. I mean, he's 99. Uh, you know, he locates the ball, good breaking ball. I like the Mets today. I played the Mets minus, I think, 118, something like that. Uh, I took McGill over five and a half strikeouts. I think this is a pretty good matchup for the Mets. I like the Mets in the first one. And hey, you got you got McGill going in the first one and Scherzer versus Cobb in the second one. That should be a good game too. The Mets got a chance to sweep here and get off to a good start. If you look around at the rest of the division, Atlanta hasn't played well. I know it's only 10, 11 games in, but they started at home against the Reds and the, the Nationals, and they're under 500. Mets got a chance here to pull away, you know, and get a six, seven game lead. And hey, it's only April, but you'd rather be up six or seven games than down six or seven games. No question about it. I'm just so glad that you brought up the seven inning double dips. I went off last year oh. at the beginning of the season uh, at my old place in Chicago. Uh, with Steve Phillips and Danny Graves, the former. And I said, guys, what are we doing here? This is baseball. What are you going to do? Put kegs in the outfield for seven inning games? I mean, how in the world did this actually happen, Will? And nobody said anything. Everyone, okay, yeah, fine. Let's just put ghost runners on second when we get the extra innings and let's play seven inning baseball. What in the world are we talking about? Never in the history of America do we say, you know what we're going to do with our product? Give the consumer less. Does that, did that ever make sense to you? 
for the same price too. It's not like you're getting a deal on these seven inning game. You're playing the same price for a seven inning game as a nine. Yeah, it's terrible. It was terrible. I'm glad it's gone. They need to get rid of the ghost runner too. That's not baseball. I mean, the hardest thing to do in baseball is to get a guy on base and we're just going to put a guy on second base. It's ridiculous. I'm Absolutely. totally with you. Got about a minute to go. I got to get your thoughts on the Yankees. Are they, are they freaking out in New York city yet over, over the lack of offense that the Yankees have displayed so far this season? Half freaking out, half just bored by watching them. It's the same thing as last year. They can't hit. They so many swings and misses, so many strikeouts. They're slow, so they hit into a bunch of double plays. They didn't get anybody. I mean, if George Steinbrenner was still alive and they needed a shortstop, Kyle Seager would be on this team or Correa, or they would have gotten Freeman to play first base. They basically just ran it back with the same team and put, you know, Kiner Falefa at shortstop. They got a 36-year-old Josh Donaldson. It's just kind of a blah team. Now, they'll probably win their, you know, 89 to 92 games, but it's just not a fun team to watch. You know, you, you mentioned this in, in the offseason. This is, again, why you got to listen to the New York City cast, because you said this. This is not the Yankees that we're used to, not getting the, the, the big free agents here. And so far, this lineup is, is, I know it's early, but they have not been scoring runs that we're expected to see uh, at a Yankee clip, that's for sure. Will, really appreciate you hanging out, taking the time today. Again, everybody follow him on Twitter at NotTheWillHill. Will, we'll catch up with you again next week. All right, Dave. Appreciate you having me on. See you guys. Absolutely. There he is, everybody. The king of New York. When we come back and talk more Major League Baseball, come on back. It's the Lombardi line right here on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it and travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel, it's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. On the Lombardi line on these in the Sports Betting Network, Dave, Dave Ross alongside Wes Reynolds. And Wes, I did want to get back. We're going to get to Major League Baseball a little bit later on the program. Tank Williams is going to join us in the next segment to talk all things NFL draft and NFL. But I do want to get back to the three games in the NBA tonight as we get deeper into the playoffs here. Game two with the ATL and Miami. And again, if you watch game one, and I'm sure most of America did, certainly if you backed Miami, you never had to sweat it. You stopped Trey Young, you stopped the Hawks. When you expect a better effort tonight, we've seen this total kind of trick a tip up a little bit here as we get closer to 220. 
Uh, seven and a half right now is what Miami is what we're seeing here. Bet MGM. What do you make of what Atlanta has to do differently in game two to make this somehow more competitive than what we saw? In well, one of the things they got to do is make shots and Trey Young can't score eight points. No, because you're, because you're not going to win that way. And and look, I think a lot of it was the perfect storm where Atlanta, this was their third game in five days. They had already played two in that play in tournament. They were out of gas. They were getting John Collins back for the first time since early March. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of, you know, like the perfect storm for Miami. So basically the way I would look at this, I think the number is right. I would have a small lean to Atlanta. We are seeing the over get bet here, yeah. however. Uh, and uh, look, I think this had the pace, but Miami just shot so well from the three that I almost think that there's going to be some regression. So probably the way I would look here, if you're wanting to bet against Miami, but not necessarily take those points would be that team total under 113 or 113 and a half, depending on your store. All right. So that might be an interesting way to handicap game two here uh, between Miami and the ATL in the Western conference. And this is something that that Will Hill and I just discussed a little bit here. When you look at Minnesota against Memphis, and I I get it now, like there's actually better value. You can get Memphis now series price at minus $1.40 to come back and win the series down one game to none. Minnesota, by the way, plus 115 if you think they're actually going to pull the upset here in the series. But, you know, you look at the total, or you look at the game, and it's about seven, six and a half is where we're seeing market wide here. Big total of 240, 240 and a half. I'm starting to wonder, though, Wes, and I know it's one game, but we've talked about John Morant, and it's so interesting that for some reason the numbers bear out that this team has been better without Ja. Mm-hmm. And like we talked about with Tim Doyle this weekend uh, against um, betting across America, they're not a better team without John Morant. That's not what we're saying. But for some reason, the X's and O's are not adding up to victories when he plays. Are you confident in laying the seven in game two that Memphis can get back on the good foot? Well, I did lay six and a half here, and this is one of those situations that I talked about where if you're blindly doing zigzag, you're about 50%. You saw that last night. I think zigzag side and total ended up going three and three. But this is really a good spot for it if you you want to look at it because uh, when you see a team that's a top three seed Mm -hmm. and they get beat in the first game, they usually kind of get smacked in the mouth and smacked in the face, and it wakes them up a little bit. And I think maybe that's what Minnesota did with Memphis, kind of waking them up, because top three seeds coming off a game one loss, this uh, since 2005, 28 and 16, next time out, 64% against the numbers. So I think Memphis, you know, kind of maybe got woke up here by the T-Wolves saying, okay, we're here to play. We're here to take this seriously. Last time this situation happened, by the way, it was 2019. Remember the Boston Celtics had Kyrie oh, yeah. and Jason Tatum and Al Horford, and they beat the Bucks in game one of the Eastern we Conference thought we got semifinals. Series. And then the Bucks absolutely destroyed them in game two, 123-102 covered, I believe, a seven-and-a-half-point favorite. So I am going to lay the number on the Grizzlies. I'm debating if I want to get in on that series price at $1.35 or $1.40. Yeah, it's a best price you're going to get right now, obviously, if you want to back Memphis. And, you know, we kind of talked about it. We were finishing up our show, Betting Across America, on Sunday. And that was at the end of that fantastic Brooklyn and Celtics game. And I almost said then, boy, I kind of hope Brooklyn holds on and wins game one because then I might jump in uh, with Boston for the series price. That didn't happen with Boston getting that miracle comeback. But that is now another way to play this series going forward. If you're a Memphis backer, 
You're never going to get better than the dollar forty or dollar thirty-five on the series price if you really believe, as a top three seed, West, to your point, that they're going to be exactly who we think they are before this thing's all said and done. My only concern would be that if Anthony Edwards and stars are made in the postseason, they're not made in the regular season. They're made in the postseason. If all of a sudden we know what what Cat is, Carl Anthony Towns. If Edwards can kind of be that either second fiddle or Carl Anthony Towns becomes the second fiddle, yeah. Memphis really might have an issue on their hands here with only one superstar in John Morant. Yeah, you could certainly see that. By the way, both these teams pretty much get what they want in transition. That's right. why we're seeing 241 on the total. I certainly would not be betting the under on this game. I would only look over nothing, but... You know, you look uh, 4.2 points per 100 possessions. Memphis got the better of Minnesota in transition. This is a young, talented team, but this is a young, talented team that will get out of position defensively uh, fairly often. So it would be over or nothing, but I'm going to lay it with the Grizz here tonight. Yeah, I think you're right. They're going to be running and gunning. We saw that early in that first half, certainly in game one. Slow down a little bit in game two, in the second half, but expecting more points again tonight. Let's talk about the other uh, series in the Western Conference. Maybe not the sexiest on paper with the Pellies getting in and then getting just absolutely lambasted in game one. Although they almost got that backdoor cover. If you remember, it was 10 and a half for Phoenix. They won by 11. So they barely got there because it looked like they were calling off the dogs a little bit. And Will Hill made that point here that sometimes these backdoor covers can get you for teams that have these big double digit leads. They go to the bench because again, teams that are coasting to victory. Sometimes they want to get bench guys in there to save the minutes on their starters here in the second season. What do you make a game two? Now you got to lay nine and a half with Phoenix. And I know will kind of likes that first quarter mm-hmm. Suns play and first half thinking, all right, maybe a similar script. We get up on the Pelly's big. And then if you wait the big number overall, you might have to hold on late. Yeah. And uh, look, uh, you look at uh, Memphis or excuse me, New Orleans, what they were trying to do. Uh, they were trying to run that big lineup, Jackson Hayes and Valanchunas on the floor at the same time. Phoenix really figured it out. Uh, 11 minutes when they were on the floor, Phoenix outscored them by 11. Hayes didn't really play a lot in the second half. So Willie Green got to offer that smaller lineup in sure. the second half uh, putting Larry Nance Jr. at center. I think the results were a little bit better. They were able to cut into that Suns lead. So, you know, if that if Green goes with that giant lineup early on, I think that they're going to be down big in the first quarter like Will uh, was pointing out. And again, minus 5,000 now on the series price for Phoenix, 14 to 1. If somehow you believe the Pellies can not only get back in the series, but somehow win it. Good luck to you there. I don't see that scenario playing out. You see the total here, 221 and a half. Now, I believe the under did cash in game one here, West. Game two, Phoenix plays better defense, I think, than people realize, right? That you think of them, you think Booker, and you, you know CP3 can get whatever he wants. And Chris Paul will be the first one to tell you that. Look, just because I don't shoot it very often doesn't mean I can't. I try to get guys involved. What's the pace that you expect to see? Do you think it'll be a lower pace uh, scoring tonight here at 221? I, I do. I just think that Phoenix, uh, they play so smart, and Chris Paul is so good in that pick and roll. And really what the key is in terms of a pick and roll, you got to make all five defenders defend. And Chris Paul does a better job of that, I think, than almost any point guard in the league and really in recent years. So I think that this is probably going to be 
a lower pace. So if you're looking and you don't want to lay that big number, maybe uh, Pelicans uh, under the team total tonight. I think it's uh, 105.5. Very quickly, just in the final minutes before we take another break here, we're going to have Tank Williams join us here in the next segment, talk all things NFL draft and beyond. You know, the marquee series right now is the Brooklyn Nets against the Boston Celtics, and Brooklyn's getting three and a half uh, in game two tomorrow. Plus 140 in the money line, Wes. Do you believe that it's a must win for Brooklyn? Or even if they don't get game two, and I know a lot of people kind of like the points, uh, and again, it was a one-point game in game one. Do they need to to eschew the points here and say, you know what, we got to get this win because we gave away a great fourth quarter performance and it wasn't good enough to steal game one? Well, I think what's going to have to happen is you're going to have to see Steve Nash has got to make a decision. Do I go with the big lineup with Drummond? Or I go at the small lineup with Nick Claxton. It was a small lineup to close out the game, and I think that that was the better lineup. And that's what I think he's going to have to do. He's probably going to have to get beat on the boards like he did in the first game to give you some better defense and give you more offensive punch. All right, so let's see how that game two is going to play out. And to get that total right now, we're seeing about 226 or a lot of points scored, uh, certainly in game one, and even without the fouling down the stretch in that very tight game. So going to be very curious to see how game two plays out against Boston and, and Brooklyn. And remember this again, that the series prices here have moved after game one. So again, if you like Brooklyn to still come back and win what we believe will be a very competitive series, you're going to get a pretty good price tag on that right now as well. So again, you see three and a half tomorrow night. Uh, the money line is set at a dollar 45 and that total at 226. Now, when we come back here, we're going to be joined by our guy, Tank Williams, of course, played DB in the national football league for a very long time. And I'll be very curious to get his thoughts on maybe what Jacksonville is going to do at number one, because right now it looks like Aiden Hutchinson. But I'll be curious from Tank's perspective, is he a slam dunk at number one? Or should Jacksonville think about possibly trading out of that spot if they think, really think they can maximize their value? Talking all things NFL draft, when you come back with us right here on the Lombardi Line, I'm Vston, the Sports Betting Network. Lombardi Line, Dave Ross here with you from South Point Casino in Las Vegas. And the NFL draft is almost upon us. I cannot believe it. it's going to be right here in Las Vegas. Uh, in just over a week's time here in about nine days. Now, again, I've had the uh, good fortune of covering a few of these back in my days in Chicago. And the thing that you should note before you start making your future wagers on the NFL draft, and I mentioned this off the top of the show, it's a simple point. NFL GMs and coaches are going to lie to you. And they're going to do it right to the media right now. This is the business that they're in. And it's not that they're trying to be dishonest. They're doing it for a reason. Because this is the ultimate game of poker that executives are going to play this close to the draft. Because they do not want to show their hand and show their cards to let anybody know which way they're going to go. This, of course, will be the, uh, I guess, the 
the crux of the matter at heart for the Jacksonville Jaguars sitting at number one in this draft. And right now, the overall favorite to be the first pick selected is Aiden Hutchinson, the defensive end coming out of Michigan. Now, you're going to have to lay $1.75 here at BetMGM if you think, in fact, Hutchinson will be the first pick taken. You see Edge, you got Trayvon Walker there at plus $1.40. Then you're going to get some tackles in Aquanu and Neal. Those are 10 and 12 to 1, respectively. And then Kayvon Thibodeau is a very interesting uh, edge rusher here at defensive end at 25 to 1 because coming out of Oregon, there are a lot of talks, and you're going to hear this a lot in the coming week, how much does he love football? And that is something that a lot of people and fans might roll their eyes and go, oh, is that really a big deal? It is to executives, and it is to coaches. And again, I go back to when Steve Spurrier was the head coach at South Carolina, and Jadavion Clowney, rather, was a consensus number one coming out of South Carolina. And they asked the ball coach then, they said, what do you make of Jadavion? He said, well, Jadavion's going to play when Jadavion wants to play. And that kind of, you get that feel right now with Kayvon Thibodeau. So the talent is there. I don't think those are the questions that we have with Aiden Hutchinson. I think the question there with Aiden is, is he worthy of being the number one pick? And if not, is Jacksonville then compelled to trade out of that spot? So I think that's really the key issue here when you look at the number one pick. And the guy who knows all about it, of course, is Tank Williams, who played DB in the NFL, does a great job at Yahoo Sports as an analyst now. Follow him on Twitter, as I do, at TankWilliams13. And, Tank, that's the question I want to pose to you right off the jump. And you know how this works. You know the game here with execs. They're not going to tell you what their plans and their intentions are right now. They're going to keep that close to the vest. What do you think Jacksonville's really planning? Because to me, at first blush, I look at Aiden Hutchinson, and I look at the bowl game, and I go, this is the consensus number one pick in the NFL draft? Doesn't feel right to me. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple ways you can look at it. I mean, if you see the Jacksonville Jaguars along with the Detroit Lions, the Houston Texans, all of those guys really need some help up front on the defense side of the ball, create pass rush. I mean, one of the best ways that you can improve your defense is to have some pressure coming off the outside or having a lockdown cornerback. But what you're speaking to speaks volumes. You have a quarterback in Trevor Lawrence who struggled last year. Part of that is due to having Urban Meyer, who was an incompetent head coach, but otherwise, I mean, they had some difficulties trying to protect them. He had some problems with his decision-making, which could, which could have occurred from, you know, having some quick pressure on him. So what's the easiest way to solve that and to protect your franchise? And that's to go with an offensive lineman. They have some really good ones in this draft. So, yeah, Aiden Hedgeson has been the consensus pick all along, but I kind of like your thinking as well, where that's been a, a big smoke screen, and you shouldn't be surprised if a team like the Jacksonville Jaguars grab one of those offensive tackles early, like an Evan Neal or someone like that. And exactly. And what I'm thinking here, Tank, and see if you follow along with this, that if whether Hutchinson's their guy or not, or they want to go with one of those tackles, which to me makes much more sense. And I know you just re-signed Cam Robinson. That doesn't mean you can't get more help at tackle if you're Jacksonville. You, you can only you know, you keep upgrading that offensive line. But what I'm thinking is I go back to, say, Cleveland uh, when John Dorsey was the GM. And he traded up to one to take Baker Mayfield. Nobody really saw that coming. I go back to Ryan Pace when he was the GM in Chicago. And he traded up one spot to number two to get Mitchell Trubisky when nobody saw that coming. Like, people are going to get quarterback crazy, right? So do you think there might be a team out there that maybe we don't see it coming now? But to your point, we should see it coming. That there's a team that's going to call Jacksonville and take a quarterback 
first overall. Do you think there's a scenario that that could happen? No, I don't see that. I really don't see any of these quarterbacks having the potential to go number one overall. Uh, yes, this is a league that's dependent on having a franchise quarterback in order to make it to the playoffs and win a Super Bowl. And I will say that a lot of these teams would like to have a quarterback that's really good on his rookie contract, which allows you to build around him because you don't have to eat up all that cap space paying him top dollar. That being said, I don't see a quarterback like a Kenny Pickett or Malik Willis or Corral coming from Ole Miss, any of those quarterbacks being worthy of being selected number one overall. Now, will a, a quarterback needy team maybe jockey somewhere in the first round to go scoop one of those guys up? Yeah, I can see that. How high it'll be, I'm not sure it'll be in the top 10 or anything like that. But at the same time, if you can justify picking a Mitch Trubisky, like moving up a slot to take Kim, and then, you know, having a Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson go after him, then basically a team can justify making any pick wherever it is on the on the board. Similar to how, you know, the New York Giants took a Daniel Jones right. earlier than what I expected. I thought that maybe they should go with another position there, say an edge right there, and then you fall back and get a Daniel Jones later in the draft. But these GMs, these teams, if they have their eyes locked on someone or if they're listening to a little bit of the noise themselves, you can't be surprised by the decisions they make. Tank, you just you read my mind because I was thinking, remember, Danny Dimes was a top 10 pick, yeah. right? I mean, and that happened, and they didn't move. That was their spot, and they just that that's the guy that they wanted. Now we'll see how that plays out, but so far it has not played out very well for Big Blue. To that point, I'm seeing a lot of places here where three – Two and a half is the number for quarterbacks selected in the first round. I have not played it yet, but Tank, I got to play the over because I'm hearing reports that maybe Desmond Ritter is now going to be a first round pick. Matt Corral's name. I know he's coming off injury. Even Sam Howell, I'm hearing potentially there could be teams. Look, Jordan Love got selected in the first round when nobody saw that coming. And certainly that's been stuck, sticking in the craw of Aaron Rodgers ever since. Do you think that that's a smart play that at least three Dare I say, if not more, get selected in the first round? You know, it's interesting just because of the demand that you have at the quarterback position. But I will say that given you really haven't heard all the noise about these quarterbacks being generational next level, I can see less quarterbacks going in the first round than what you would anticipate. So if you're saying going over three, I mean, I would probably take the under. I mean, Obviously, the quarterback position isn't like the running back position where you can almost easily write it off on a yearly basis where, hey, we may not have a running back technically in the first round. And I think a lot of people are trying to say that about this year's draft as well. But when you think about the quarterback position, do I think that maybe we can get one or two quarterbacks going towards the middle or late of the first round? Yeah, I can see that. But will you see more than three? I don't think I would take those odds just because um, – I feel like teams may go for more value elsewhere, whether it's like some of these edge guys, some of these offensive linemen, uh, some of the cornerbacks. They, there's a deep uh, DB class uh, that you can take in the first round. So I think there are other positions that you can select high-tier players now and then let those quarterbacks come to you. But like we just talked about, if those guys feel like they need to go ahead and solve the issue in that room immediately, I wouldn't be surprised if they go ahead and make the move. But over three sounds like a little bit too rich for me. I think I don't. Nothing is a lock, as you well know in this league. 
But I think it's safe that Malik Willis and Kenny Pickett are going to be first-rounders. I'd be stunned if they are not. Then you get into Ritter at, at $8 right now to be the first quarterback selected. But it, when you start hearing that, and again, this is smokescreen time where people are going to fall in love uh, putting air quotes with guys and, and see if they're going to go ahead and, and draft them. You mentioned running back. Very quickly here, Brees Hall right now is minus 250 to be the first running back selected. But – we don't know if he's a first-round pick. In your estimation, Tank, is Brees Hall the type of back? Because it, it feels like on all accounts he's a three-down back. We've got about 90 seconds here. Do you think that he will go in the first round? I don't think he'll go in the first round. Uh, I mean, there's a chance he can, but when we looked at prior drafts and seeing that all these teams feel like you can fall back and get some really great value at running back in the second round, I don't think a team reaches. And the perfect example, let's go back to the New York Giants since I know we're real quick. When they took Saquon Barkley, like obviously if Saquon stays healthy, he's a generational talent, exceptional running back. Yet at the same time, with the Giants taking him so early, they could have taken the edge rush of that draft and then taken a running back, you know, in the second round. I believe that that draft, the Patriots took either Sony Michelle or one of those other running backs mm -hmm. out of Alabama at the top of the second round. And you say, hey, if I get a premier edge guy early in the first round and I fall back and I get a running back like that, in the second round, I'm doing okay, so I don't really need to take Saquon all the way up there. And I think that people will say, hey, this guy isn't a Saquon-type running back, so should I even take him in the middle or the back of the first round? I think they'll let him come to him and then address some of those other needs with these high-tier players in the first round. I think you just nailed it, as you always do, Tank Williams. I think Saquon Barkley is going to scare away people. Hey, if you have time to hang out, I'd love to talk some more draft, and I have to run by a quarterback scenario with you. Do you mind hanging out? Yeah, let's do it. There's my guy. Tank Williams, everybody. <laughs> Come on back right here on Visa and the Sports Betting Network. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Bet 
BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks, unleashes the spirit of Las Vegas with BetMGM Rewards. Every time you make a wager at BetMGM, you can earn BetMGM Rewards points that you can redeem for online bonus credits like free bets and risk-free tokens. Planning a trip to Vegas? Well, come on out. You can convert your BetMGM points into MGM Rewards points that you can use towards dining, shows, and hotel rooms at over 20 MGM Resort properties located on the Las Vegas Strip and nationwide. BetMGM Rewards is sports betting's premier loyalty program featuring exclusive offers, incredible experiences, and valuable perks when you wager on the BetMGM app. Sign up with BetMGM or log on today to get an even bigger piece of the action with BetMGM Rewards. Eligible restrictions to apply. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Please gamble responsibly. If you have a problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Dave Ross back here on the Lombardi line. I am here at South Point Casino in Las Vegas. A pleasure to be rejoined by Tank Williams. Follow him on Twitter as I do at Tank Williams 13. Tank, before we get back into the NFL draft, I see you rocking that Stanford hat. You were a second round pick coming out of the tree. What is that like? And what can players do now to convince those GMs and those coaches that I'm the right guy to be tapped? Uh, there's really nothing you can do to convince them now. Uh, most teams already have a general idea, especially higher in the first round, of which direction they're going to go in. And so right now all you have to do is just make sure you don't mess up between now and the draft. <laughs> uh, you don't want like to have a Larry, Larry Tunsil incident where you get oh. caught with like a little smoke mask on, something like that, where you kind of knock off a few mil off your draft uh, <laughs> income coming in right off top. But other than that, man, the teams already have an idea of what they're trying to do, and it's really similar to what you see in free agency. Teams have put out that this guy may not have a great or work ethic, or he may not love the game. Just like when teams are trying to sign free agents, they're saying that this guy's a diva on the team and that he doesn't get along with his teammates. There's always smoke here and there to try to get the best player possible at the lowest value possible. So you're going to see a lot of that jockeying going between now and the first round of the draft. I was in Chicago sitting next to Bryant McFadden, you know, BMAC well, two-time Super Bowl champion. When that happened with Laramie Tunstall and that was being passed around the press corps, and we were like, what in the wild, wild world of sports is going on? And he started to drop like a rock on that day. So there are many twists and turns before we actually get to draft night. And, of course, this one's going to be here right in Las Vegas. You know, I mentioned the quarterbacks with you. And the reason why I brought that up is I look at the Steelers and I say, are they now in play for a quarterback? And Tech, we're hearing reports now that Kyler Murray out of Arizona is not going to go into this season unless he has a new deal. So that could get very sticky. Could you see a scenario and maybe not just Pittsburgh where Kyler Murray is in play, which would certainly draft affect draft boards here before we get to next Thursday night? I mean, I think there's always an opportunity for it to be in play, especially when you have some of the leaders on your team coming out and speaking against Kyler Murray as well. Oof. I mean, I believe their offensive tackle Beecham came out and said that Kyler needed to grow up. And so a lot of times you may see where a player like a quarterback or another high caliber player on the team will have some friction with the front office. And his teammates come up and step up in his defense. But when you have some of his actual teammates saying that, hey, the leader of our organization, the guy who's picked number one overall, the one who's supposed to lead us to the promised land and be the next coming to Patrick Mahomes, like you're not that guy. You need to grow up. Then that just set off all kind of red lights for me saying that, hey, if the Arizona Cardinals want to trade this guy, the locker room will not be upset. So it's between Kyler and his agent, who's actually Cliff Kingsbury's agent, to get with the organization and determine which direction they want to go, whether it's going to be him remaining with the Cardinals 
and sign him to a longer-term deal or if they need to go ahead and part ways and get a fresh start. That being said, this draft isn't that deep for quarterbacks. They've liked Colt McCoy as like a little, you know, a fill-in on a week-to-week basis, but can he be your quarterback moving forward for this season until you find that next guy? I don't think so, but... Hey, I feel like the Arizona Cardinals have a lot of decisions to make in a short amount of time. And we bring that up because if Kyler Murray is, in fact, in play, i got to be honest with you, I never saw this coming in the offseason. This would be one of those soap operas because you mentioned the agent does represent both the head coach and the quarterback there. You thought that was a perfect marriage, and right now that marriage might be on the rocks, and that could affect those props if you're taking over quarterbacks, three drafted in the first round. If Kyler Murray resurfaces somewhere else, that could really affect some of these draft boards. I'm seeing, Tank, that six – Wide receivers is pretty much the standard number out here in Las Vegas if you want to play the over to get to seven receivers taken in this draft. Look, we know it's going to be a deep wide receiver draft. Who's the best of the bunch in your opinion? Because right now Garrett Wilson uh, is the the favorite at plus $1.15 to be the first guy. Jameson Williams might have been that guy, but then we saw the injury that he had, and he's going to come off that injury. And Drake London, we know how talented he is coming out of SC. Those are regarded as the top three receivers. Who's the best of the bunch that you've seen on tape? I think healthy and everyone being like everyone being healthy in a, in a really great situation. I like Jamison Williams. I mean, that guy can take the top off a defense like none other. I mean, his straightaway speed is unbelievable. You just give him the ball on the over route and he's gone. I mean, I've seen comps to, uh, Deshaun Jackson, and he's a little bit bigger guy, I believe. I mean, but I believe those co- those comps are spot on. But when you look at the way the NFL teams like to mitigate risk, and you have a Jamison Williams coming off an injury, you have Drake London coming off an injury, Garrett Wilson is explosive, runs really great routes. He has that pedigree coming from Ohio State, and he's healthy. And so when you add all those things together, I like the plus 115 odds of him being the first wide receiver taken. And so I believe that's that's a good spot to go for it right there. But Hey, Traylon Burks, Chris Olave, I really love those guys as well, and I wouldn't be surprised to see all of those guys go in the first round easily. It feels like we're going to get those five in the first round. Again, if you want to get to seven, there are some sleepers out there uh, Mm -hmm. that we're hearing. Very quickly to that end, and again, it caused a bit of consternation with the aforementioned Brian McFadden because Mike Pritchett, of course, one of our hosts here at VEASAN, he said a couple weeks ago, I can't wait to get your thoughts on this. This is in relation to Jalen Ramsey. There's no such thing as a shutdown corner. And we're talking about all these receivers going in the first round. And I see you just went to the face when you do that. <laughs> is that true? Is Mike Pritchard right? Because BMAC pushed back a little bit on that notion. Are corners and safeties, we don't expect to see a lot of safeties being taken high, maybe one here coming out of Notre Dame and, uh, in, uh, in Hamilton there. But it feels like now are corners now being devalued. Uh, no, I believe that's just smoke as well. Now, I will say that the definition of a shutdown corner has changed uh, in today's NFL versus uh, the game in the past because you can be a lot more physical with wide receivers when I play when even though Dion wasn't known as being the physical cornerback per se, like he would get up and jam wide receivers and disrupt them at the line of scrimmage and then just use his speed to shadow them. But these days, you really can't get as physical with the wide receivers, and the game really doesn't allow the wide receivers to feel a physical presence over the middle of the field where you can get your chunk plays where they can catch and run the ball. So from that standpoint, it's really hard to be a shutdown corner. Yet and still, you have guys that can mirror wide receivers like none other. There are select few, but when you have those guys, you don't have to dedicate as much attention to a number one wide receiver on either side of the ball, which lets you – 
that was which allows your defense coordinator to open up his playbook which allows you to get more pressure on the quarterback, throw different looks at him and make him hold the ball a second, half a second longer, which leads to sacks, which leads to tip balls, which leads to turnovers, which leads to you getting off the field, putting the ball back in your offensive hands so they can go down and score and so you can win multiple ball games. And so that's what the, the emphasis in, is in the NFL in today's game. Got a couple minutes to go here with Tank Williams. Follow him on Twitter, Tank Williams 13. And again, when you were drafted in the 2002 draft in the second round coming out of Stanford, in today's measure, that's a first-round pick because safeties just don't seem to go that high anymore. Should there be more emphasis put back on the safety position? And why do you think, like, it's been kind of overlooked and gone the way of the running back? If you're dynamic and you're a superstar, you're going to be a first-round, maybe second-round pick. But past that, they feel like they can get safeties later. Uh, I believe teams feel like they can get a safety later. Yet at the same time, I think teams will put a premium on a safety or a weak side linebacker who has the coverage skills to take away the biggest mismatch in today's NFL, which is pass catching running backs and athletic tight ends. And so a lot of times those guys may be too big to put um, a cornerback on yet too fast, you know, for you to put like mm -hmm. a big linebacker, bulky linebacker on. So if you have a safety who's fast enough to cover those guys in space, he can take away a chess piece that a lot of these offensive coordinators like to use today. So that's why I feel like if you have the right safety in the right defensive scheme, he'll be a valuable piece for you. But as you said, overall, the the, the position has been uh, devalued, which personally I don't like to see because I still feel like having a safety that can complement you in the run game and effectively cover the pass is one of the best chess pieces you can have on a defense. I got about 30 seconds left, Tank. Very quickly, if you could have any player in this NFL draft that can make an immediate impact on your roster, who is it? Oh, wow. That is tough. Like, if healthy, yep, healthy. healthy wide receiver, I would say on offense, I would say Jamison Williams just because I feel like he's that dynamic of a wide receiver. On defense, I like the edge rushers, either Hutchinson or Kayvon Thibodeau. You're the best. Tank Williams, really appreciate your time. As always, my friend, always a pleasure talking football and catching up with you. Also want to thank Will Hill for joining us. And, of course, Wes Reynolds, my co-host here at VEASAN. Got you covered all day long. Don't go anywhere right here in VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh, my God. We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. 
If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.